what most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 153 of What Most People Think and I hope you are enjoying the frills and spills of the Tory leadership race. Just to anybody who listened to the bonus uh, Boris resignation special that I put out the weekend, two predictions already come true. Ben Wallace, I said that he'd pull out for reasons I couldn't possibly discuss because the What Most People Think legal team a bit, a bit edgy in and around that. And uh, then Penny Morden, who I said, you might see her uh, start to adapt her fairly woke views on trans rights, certainly within the conservative context. And lo and behold, uh, Penny, Penny's views are transitioning too. So uh, uh, keep an eye on that as we go. We do have a special guest this week, very special guest. Uh, we normally see him for the Christmas shows, but uh, I, I thought I'd bring him in for the, for the half-year show. It is uh, Ramesh Ranganathan. Welcome back to the show. Thank, Jeff, thank you so much for having me, man. It's uh, I, you know, last time I came on the show, you gave me my uh, my trophy. Uh, the what's the official count. title? The Cuss Count. That's it. The yeah. Cuss Count trophy. It's got pride of place in my um, in my office. So thank you very much for that. Well, you know, after that, it was retired. Uh, yeah, because it, you didn't think it could be beaten. It couldn't be being. And then also, um, there was a really dismal period where I tried to have another idea because I thought it was a winner, you know, having a returning feature. And I come up with something that long-term listeners remember briefly called the Erm Curve, which was let's just track how many times people say Erm. And it wasn't as entertaining, I have to say. And also, there was a slight feel from a couple of guests that it was sort of trying to trip them up and put pressure on them. Yeah, you know, you don't want to come on to... You don't want to come to your podcast to play just a minute, do you? Do you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I, I don't know. What do you think about swearing? Because like, hmm. I do. I do the Wolf and Hour with Big Tom, Tom yeah. Davis, and we swear a lot on that because the problem is, and I think it's a, a similar problem with you, is that we're both swearers. Big and swearer. so what happens is, if if you're a swearer and you're talking to a non-swearer, what happens is just naturally. You yeah. kind of bring it down a little bit. But when you're with somebody that you feel comfortable about swearing around, what happens is you both kind of seem to, you both seem to kind of subconsciously egg each other on. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know how, I don't find swearing offensive in the slightest, but we have, we've had complaints on our podcast about the number of uh, F-bombs we drop on it. Well, I think, I think it's the nature of the way that it's said, isn't it? Like there's the invective behind it. If, if fuck is used as a, as a comma, uh, people generally tend not to notice it. You know, if you're trying to remember yeah. something and you go, what's that fucking thing? You know, like, there's a very different to go. You, you know, there's a way that, that um, people swear in British gangster films where they go, don't mm. be so fucking stupid. Even then, like, that would annoy people hearing that yeah, because there's yeah. invective behind it. So it's... My, yeah, my problem is is that I use... I actually, uh, weirdly, use fucking for um sometimes. So <laughs> I might be going, um, so it's this uh, fucking... Uh, fucking uh, guy. Do you know I mean? So I do that quite a bit. But let's see how we go. We spent quite a lot of our sparing, uh, swearing quota already, I think. Yes, we uh, have done. Yeah. Instead, but yeah. those those don't count. Let's try. No. I mean, let's just try it as an exercise to not swear for the duration of it. Yeah, and chastise okay. each other when swearing does happen. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I'm happy to to do that. I feel like uh, that that could be a good experiment. Unless unless it cramps us so obviously comedically, then we'll just ditch it. Yeah, okay, fine. That's I think that's the most likely outcome. Yeah. And one thing I would say is that we were talking the other day and, and like a lot of people close to you, I uh, expressed very heartfelt concern about your workload. You know, you're, you're a busy guy and, and we spoke about that for a while and then you offered very briefly to be on the podcast and I jumped on it really hard, really yeah. dri- drilled Bear in mind, let's, let's be absolutely crystal clear about this. When I yeah. said to you that um, it's partly because of, uh, well, you know, it's a combination of factors. It's COVID delaying shows being made. Uh, but mm-hmm. in addition to that, it's a, an ongoing sort of imposter syndrome that I have to deal with because of that, that we all have to deal with. Because mm-hmm. of that, you know, my workload is at the moment is a little bit full on. So I was talking to you about that. And you said, uh, you sort of gave me some very sage advice about taking time with the family and, you know, relax. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got, you've got to a point now, Ramesh, where, um, you know, you've got to think about, think about yourself, look after yourself, you know, maybe mm. he's back. And then I mentioned in the podcast and uh, you couldn't have given a shiny shit about my workload. Couldn't, I mean, had the eye calendars out immediately <clears throat> and kept yeah, like yeah. mentioning it three or four times before we got off that Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, and also, in addition to that, you actually did the, you actually did a thing where you, I don't know if you're aware that you did this, but you loaded extra kind of emotional pressure mm. uh, onto it by going, do you know what? 
Uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to do for the podcast, but now, God, I really feel, I'm really excited that you'll do it. Thanks so much for doing it. It's really good that you've agreed to do it, man. That's really, that's going to be really great. So that was, you know, how yeah. could I pull out of it at that stage? It was awful. No, no. Like I say, I really care about your workload unless there are possible projects involving both of us. In which case, I think you've really you've just got to take the opportunities while they're there because they might go away, let's be honest. Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. I've heard, I mean, I've heard a lot of interviews with you and it does annoy me where there's a certain kind of interviewer, sometimes very high-profile radio hosts that, that mention how busy you are and seem like really annoyed by it. Are you conscious of that when people sort of go, I mean, you're, you're everywhere, Romish. You're, like, you're taking their work. It's not, yeah, you're, not, I, I, you're I, not operating in their spheres. Yeah, I um I know it's it's uh I I I actually because it does to be honest with you a lot of interviews get open like that like mm. um and especially when they're doing the intro do you know what I mean he's he's done this he does this you can see him on this I mean you can, I mean, you can basically see him everywhere like the, 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 a lot of intros <laughs> are like that and um sometimes it's people being kind of supportive and and mm. cool but other times you do sort of feel like that what they're suggesting is that maybe uh you need to step back a little bit when I was a teacher. Like, you know, obviously, you know, I, I, I did love being a teacher, but one of the big things that I hadn't realised when I moved into comedy and really wanted to make it is that with, with jobs like that, you sort of know, providing that, you know, you don't do anything with any mm. sixth formers, that you're going to have that job for a, <laughs> for a long time. Do you know what I mean? And so it's sort of, you don't have the ongoing pressure of like, is this going to be all right next year or whatever? Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah, yeah, like yeah. With, with what we do... I mean, for about, I mean, Flo, my agent has stopped me doing this now because she said, you need to stop doing this. But for a while, after Christmas, my first email to Flo would be, is it over yet? Do you know what I mean? Because you, 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 sort, you sort of look to the next year. You sort of get to the end of the year. And also, I know that it's such an arbitrary, like, fabricated thing, but the end of the year, always, I'd always approach the end of the year thinking, well, I've had a good year, but something might happen at midnight on the 31st of December that means that, that's over that magic has gone or whatever and next year it's going to be a nightmare so you just you and, do and as you say you, you don't have that intent. i mean the thing with teaching is how often do you hear about a school shutting down because of a lack of clients like there's <laughs> there's a sort of like recession in teaching like they they laid off loads of science teachers at the local comp yeah it's, just, it's absolutely yeah. brutal the latest round of voluntary i mean i know i'm not saying it doesn't ever happen but it, it by and large teaching is always sort of a growth industry is it well paid enough Probably not. Do no. teachers moan a lot about what could otherwise be a simple job? In my view, yes. I, I, I would say, um, listen, I've got a lot of respect for teachers and it was uh, I was never more stressed in my working life than I was when I was a teacher. Hmm. What I would say is my experience of a teaching workforce and their response to any kind of change was just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. any... Anything, bearing in mind that the nature of the job is changing at all times. You're often mm. preparing kids for jobs that in, in now, if you're a teacher, you're often preparing mm. kids for jobs that don't exist yet, right? And so, so you, you, you'd have to, within that remit, sort of expect that you are going to have to make changes, right? There, <laughs> yeah. there are, there are gonna, things that are going to have to move. Otherwise, you're not doing your job properly. Regardless of that, any time something new was rolled out, there may be a coursework change or there's going to be an increased level of accountability for assessment or whatever. You yeah. literally, as that information was being delivered, the, the murmurs of discontent would almost know, know, overwhelm the speaker. It was. Well, it did, it did make you realise like how, how you can unseat a prime minister. I learned that in teaching because you realise that the groundswell of opinion, the amount of people that you need to keep on side and teaching is essentially a job with about in your average sort of secondary school there's about 150 backbenchers essentially <laughs> and, and like I mean and you'll have seen this at a staff briefing when a head teacher's yeah. lost the room and, yeah. and like you just see the fear in their eyes as they're trying to talk you know or, or just or just suggesting that that you know there's something quite reasonable so for example if there's like a, a school-wide delay on getting reports in and all the teachers, teachers, it's really weird with teachers. Teachers never think that they should have to write reports. I don't know what process of feedback they think that parents should know what the fuck their kids are doing at, but they, they, they resent maybe the frequency with which uh, reports are done. But I always thought, like, you know, I mean, I, if, you, if you knew your kids, write, write in a couple of sentences. And then if not, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, maybe this is breaking the trade secret. I, eventually I put a Word document with a sort of bank of phrases on that I could just cut and paste if... Well, that, well, the, the the thing is that that's what we that's the, that was a school policy when I taught. They had like a, <laughs> they they had they had like for certain reports, not for the end of year ones. The end of year ones, you'd have to like generate something yeah, yeah. completely. But like 
for some of the reports, you'd have a bank of different, I mean, they were extensive, right? Yeah. But they were a bank of comments. So what happened is like, you'd enter 3B, 4A, 5C, 6D, and then it would just come up with a paragraph <laughs> of like, with those with those statements put together. And um, and like, uh, like it's funny because I, I know what it's like to be a teacher. And, but, you know, look, the truth is you're under the cosh, right? And reports never come at a good time. So you're often sort of, it's often midnight, Mm. And you're sort of sitting at your laptop trying to get this stuff done. The 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 level to which I forget about that when I'm reading my children's reports, right? Mm. Knowing, no, having known what it's like to be on the other side, the amount of gravitas I give to any word used in my children's reports is just absolutely insane. It's like I've forgotten. It's like I've forgotten what it was like to be doing these. Do you know and you go, what? So, what, so Seb's not top marks for communicator. Do you know what I mean the is one of the best orators I've ever seen? Yeah, yeah. Like, he like, just uh, he just does it he's freestyle. He does it without yeah. notes. Sorry, sorry. Lack of enthusiasm. Is, does, yeah. is lack of enthusiasm? Does that mean constantly got a glint of glint in his eye of a, a thirst for learning? Is that what you mean? We're going to talk about uh, a lot of stuff this week. We're going to talk about the Tory uh, leadership race. Uh, I was mm. going to then try and tag that back to education. There, going. I guess you know they'll have a lot of views on it, but it doesn't need that. So it's a podcast. Yeah. It's a loose. Just man. do it's it like the, just do it like the one show. No segue. Just get straight <laughs> yeah. into it. Okay, Auschwitz. Um, <laughs> the, the the Tory leadership race. We'll be talking about like what's the developments. Uh, who's dropped out. Uh, some of the diversity, well, I don't think there is an issue with diversity. I think it is very diverse, but that is creating an issue for some people on the left. Mm-hmm. And then I was gonna, wanted to talk to you about, like, kind of, you know, workload stuff, you know, as as a bloke, being busy. This is the part of our life where we're very busy. But also specifically, I think people would be interested to hear about sitcoms, you know, like the scale of, I think, you know, I think a lot of people aren't aware of how much work goes into them at every single level. So we'll come to that uh, later in the show. But just want to mention, we have our few first female board members Romish, the board of uh, what most people think. I, I put out the shout last week that there were no female board members and who's going to smash through that glass ceiling? Uh, I'm pleased to say that Susan Susan Anton and Jeanette Sutton are now board members. Welcome to the board, ladies. Uh, let us know what you want the aircon to be. I don't want this to be an exclusive male-only space. Um, c- what, what, so can you explain to me the what's the deal with what is board members? Well, you get what, called what, a... What, how does that... What, what is the deal? You get called a board member. That's that's the, the the primary. So what do you what do you what do you have to do to be called a board member? Uh, these are pledges of twenty pounds a month and above. Okay, so you pay so, twenty pounds a month. Yeah, uh, and then what do you get? Uh, obviously, it was nice. To, obviously, you know, you, yeah. you've got a you've got a, a, a telly profile. To, so to have somebody sort of acknowledge you as a board member, that's nice. I'm not saying that doesn't have an intrinsic value on the board. Yeah, but what 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 apart from that do you get over and above? You get to tell people that you're a board member on what most people think. Um, you get your name read out when you become a board. But and this, I just. But hold on, hold on. But these, but these two female board members just now have they just have they just had their benefit? Is that is that what's no no happening? no? Because that you know, like VIP members, they they'll get their name read out at the top of the show as guaranteed. <laughs> board member, let me just tell you about board member. And I'm not making okay. this up on the fly at all. Okay. Merch, free merch. I'm going to do some free merch for the board members. What is what? is there merch? Does merch exist currently? It's we are in development. I'll consult the board on this. It's, it's such, I've said this on our podcast. We're I know. in development. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to do merch. I'm going to do. I'm going to. What most people think pens. They're going to get what most people think pens. So they get. And, a, they get a pen. Yeah, they get a pen. And also, here's another thing that that I, I've just thought is that when when I when I do <laughs> when I when I develop new jingles, I'm going to run them past the board. How are you going to do that though? I work, so I, I've created. I'm You're going to create, email them. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got their names. You know, you, could, you I've got a little spreadsheet. I have actually got that. And um, and they. So you know, so, we, so for twenty quid a month, they get to help or more, you or more. do your podcast or more. Sorry, about yeah, yeah. Big decisions. Above. We've already decided uh, that no no adverts ever. No adverts right. ever. I mean, yeah, but that was that was true before even the concept. That was board true. I, about, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and also I did the sums. And all, and also, what I would also say is, people that aren't board members are also experiencing the benefits of no adverts, right? Well, so I mean, it's not like it's not like you know. I'd understand if it was a tiered system where if you're a board member, you don't have to do with adverts, but other people do. But nobody has to do with adverts on your podcast. What, what the additional investment has given what most people think going forward. Is yeah. the ability to produce bonus episodes, and and actually for the last bonus episode, so here's a crystal. And those clip. and those bonus episodes are what exclusively delivered to board members, are they? 
No, but they are no. Okay. They're, they're so... inc- increasing the the, <laughs> the the read. But I did reach out to the board members for input right. and, and questions, so they were able to put questions which I answered on so the. They podcast. were providing you with content for your bonus episodes that everybody gets to enjoy. Fair point. But the VIP VIP patrons, they get the guaranteed questions. I mean, pending like issues of of, of bigotry, like if, if there are, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a legality thing, but they they're guaranteed in the Patreon only episodes. So what we're getting with the increased investment, we're getting bonus episodes which are put out generally. We're getting uh, Patreon onlys uh, every month and mm. pens. Do you know what? Can I be honest with you? This sounds like, you know, towards the end of a Dragon's Den pitch when their arse starts to go. This is what, <laughs> this is what you sound like. I know. I think I think I agree. I agree. But I also think that eventually it did come together. As, I, I'm glad that you put me through the rigour of that. That's like fucking talking to what's the, what's the, sorry, what's the What's the difference between a VIP and a board member? What's... The VIP members, you get guaranteed uh, shout out at the top of the show. You also Every get... show? Well, obviously not every show. That would be rid- how am okay. I going to read that? It's not a fucking register, just... Romesh. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, mentioning a couple of VIP members, uh, Andy Sweeney and Gerald Hall. Now, of course, everybody that joins uh, gets the the honour of having us roast their names. I was going to say Andy Sweeney and Gerald Hall sound like two guys. You know when they do like one of those big diamond heists. And you see yeah. those kind of like white guy criminals that you didn't think existed anymore. Yeah, oh, they Just, they sound like they should go together. Like that does sound like a bit of an ITV detective thing, is it? Sweeney and Hall. Sweeney and Sweeney and Hall, <laughs> or a kind of slightly updated Chaz and Dave. They, but you, but you know when they do those, uh, they they do those attempted robberies, and then you just see these guys, and you find, oh god, that Costa Brava thing is still happening. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I thought that was a joke. I thought that was like a Ron yeah. Winston. So Andy Sweeney and Gerald Hall, welcome. Andy, Sw- Andy Sweeney, he Andy Sweeney sounds like um, the sort of person that's always described as like a really good bloke. Do you know what I mean? Like Andy Sweeney, like, always honestly. both names as well. You got yeah. to speak to Andy oh, Sweeney mate, about mate, it. Have you met? Have you met? Do you know? Have you come across Andy Sweeney at all, mate? Let, let me tell you something. You have got a group of lads going down a pub. Yeah. What you need, if you if you're if you're worrying about the chat or the dynamic. Give Andy Sweeney a call. Trust me, that elevates. Also, that. regional manager, you're gonna to have to speak to Andy Sweeney. Like, yeah, I, right. I used to have a regional manager when I worked at Blockbuster Video called Andy Dolphin, and um, right. everyone always said Andy Dolphin because they like saying him. Some people's names, people just like saying them. Gerald Hall, on the other hand, I, I mean Gerald. He sounds less like somebody you'd want to invite somewhere, doesn't he? Gerald, no and all, and also Gerald, I would say is a Hall of Fame. Who would look at a baby and call it Gerald? Yeah, that is absolutely up there. Mind you, says Jeff. Who the fuck looks at a baby and calls it Jeff? Are you Je- are you Jeff or are you Jeffrey? Jeffrey, yeah, yeah, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Is that, only my sister really calls me Jeffrey. Um, Did you call you all the time, or, or only when she's annoyed of you? Um, no, no, yeah, most of the time. Most of some people try it, and uh, yeah, I'm not having that Je- Jeffrey because it's 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 minimising, isn't it? As the kids yeah. say now, but we, the. the we, were you? Did you go to Jeff at school? Were you Jeff straight away? Yeah, and again, like weirdly, that feels too old for a nine-year-old. Mm, it does weird, little Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> I mean, you know, my dad was called Jeff Norcott as well. Did you know that? No, I don't. I didn't know. So, what an incredible! Like I always, always said, oh, like, I'd love it if you were Jeffrey Junior. Well, I did think, like, just for pure the banter move would have been to call my son Jeff Norcott the third. Oh like Davis God. loved the third. That was been so funny, but Emma was Emma yeah. wasn't Emma wasn't into it. I think that's a bit out of order of Emma because I uh, you know you can just have it on the class registers and stuff. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be referred as referred to as Jeffrey Norcott the third or whatever every time. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But it's, I think it's I think it's worth it for the crack to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I'm slightly, like, I'm slightly disappointed in Emma to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think you know I think as as life go, oh, it's just like one of those been like a really funny tattoo, wouldn't it? <laughs> but Gerald and Andy Sweeney, welcome to the VIP tier. And um, yeah, there's going to be some benefits coming soon, actually, uh, for... Well, I'm going to discuss with the board, OK, Romesh? I can't actually discuss this with you because you're not no. a member of the board. So this this sure. will be... I'll pick, I'll pick this up with those guys. Um, yeah, Dema- sure. Domain talking point, the our CFO of the board, David Domain. Uh, did you get Domain talking point? Was, that, was, was I doing this last time you were on? So it's replaced no. the cuss count. Domain talking point. 
No, I like so it. this really is picking like up on. I am genuinely happy about this. Um, yeah, he's picking no, you, up... I would say you were disproportionately happy. <laughs> uh, uh, so the quality of the item name, but go sm- on. yeah, I was smiling so much when I said it. He's picking up a point uh, last week. So David writes me a, lo- a lovely email each week and picks up a number of things, and I pick out one of those. He says uh, he talks about irksome Twitter cliches. I know you 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 hate this sort of thing. Um, mm. He's given a few recent examples. Um, like, for example, someone will say, tell me you know nothing about X without saying you know nothing about X. Or no, right, yeah. this you, and when people find, yeah. like, a tweet from 18 years ago, yeah. one more time for the people at the back. Oh, God. Yeah. Do you, know, mean, you know what? I, I've said something on social media and somebody said one more time for the people at the back, and they're being supportive, mm. and I just thought, you've got to be blocked, blocked man. I can't, yeah. I can't have that kind of shit. On, on well, my page, there is this weird thing with Twitter and other social media. And, and apology, we try not to get too social media centric on this show, but people can kind of communicate with a range of off the peg phrases, can't they? Where other people have actually done the the, the legwork in coming up with funny things, and then <laughs> people will just suddenly go, "Alexa, show me a complete mess of a prime minister." Yeah, I know. Who is it? Who and, 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 and also, social media. Uh, I'm on it a lot, I would say, uh, too much probably. And and my latest vice is TikTok. I'm constant. I mean, you've seen it. I'm We've been working I'm together, yeah. And I'm constantly scrolling through it. One of the things I've noticed about TikTok, apart from I genuinely think creatively, TikTok mm. is has got its high points are exceptional. I yes, would say in yeah, terms of good, yeah. some of that content on there is amazing. But one of the things that I find sl- slightly kind of annoying about TikTok is its tendency to kind of um, it, it, to sort of um, elevate regular people to godlike status because of something that, like, for example, anybody in Stranger Things, you'll constantly find montages of them going, can't help worshipping Steve Harrington or whatever. And then it would just yeah. be like, and then all of the comments would be like, oh my God, the, I, I just, I, 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 I ship this man so much and blah, blah, blah. But it's just like loads ship. of like. What, what is ship? That's short for worship. Ah, oh. That's like the new Stan. So it's just like, it's just constantly, you'll just see very average, like, for, like I, that, I mean, Steve Harrington, I've got to be honest, I've given a bad example there because he is- No, but someone says they like, two, you know, two straight minutes of Lorraine Kelly being straight up Exactly, iconic. that's it. That's a, that, exactly, do you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, yeah, like uh, 30 seconds of the GC being the goddess we all know she is, do you know what I mean? And it's just her <laughs> telling a runner to fuck off, do you know what I mean? Like, it's- <laughs> I mean, yeah, Gemma Collins is another thing I don't, I don't fully understand. Um, no. We had another board member with input. See, yeah. uh, congratulations Steve... on your uh, your new investment. Yeah, Steve Temple, Te- Steve Temple of Doom. That's what I want. His um, Steve's nice. Temple Very of Doom. Uh, yeah. So he he wrote a uh, message which was talk about a number of things to do with the hot weather and you know the way that the, the word man made is is used and and whether there's enough rigor applied to that. But one point I want to pick up on. Of what he said is he, he talked about reporting on hot weather has become a bit hysterical like everything else. Like, is there a case that in the post-COVID era that, that we now feel like when anything changes, we need the news to speak to us about it constantly and we need advice and we need management, you know, stay hydrated. Could we afford yeah, to lose, you know, could, could we afford to lose a couple of the people that don't think that they should stay hydrated when it's over 30 degrees? Just well, as I a think, thought you know, experiment. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if people are not hydrating in the hot weather, uh, I think that's okay. You know, it makes them quiet and tired, and that's probably best for the people around them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I think I do think there should be... I, I think, look, we're all victims, or we're all mm. guilty of commenting a lot when things change, all right? It's just mm. the thing. I just think put a time limit on it. When, the, when it gets really hot, you're allowed to have a day, and I'm talking about on the news, and I'm talking about in private conversation. It's the same way that, like, saying Happy New Year after a certain date is unacceptable, right? Yeah. If we've had, if we've had two days of sun, please don't comment on the weather anymore. It's that hot. Is, we know it is. That is timestamp and time limit annoying sort of periodical cliches. I think you'll find a lot of support for this. Email in whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com or if you're part of the Patreon, message in. Of course, if you're a board member, then, you know, you've got the hotline. You've got just phone number or whatever, yeah. You've got the hotline. Dick pics, I'll do anything. But, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think time stamping that stuff, I actually think it'd be better for our discourse. Uh, we're going to do... Just leave a quick pause here. I'm going to do a quick. Oh fuck! Um, I, I've just got to delete something from my hard drive. That that sounded fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean was, is, and he said it with such a panic there as well. 
Uh, yeah, what I mean is uh, <laughs> I, I never have any space left. Yeah, the police uh, are at your door. So you've oh got to sleep that, that, that was terrible. Okay, we're just going to do... Uh, sorry, I've explained it to the police. They're very understanding. Research. Um, we're just going to do a quick thank you and a fuck you here. I want, I'll do the thank you. And I just want to thank our collective wisdom because we had a discussion the other day that was incredible, really, where we were talking about eating and being men who, you know, aren't, aren't massive men, but have a battle to not be massive. And we both Ongoing dis- battle, yeah. Ongoing battle. And we... We discussed the... Uh, you've lost loads of weight recently and looking fantastic, if I might say. But oh, it's you. worked. Are you allowed right? to say that? Are you allowed to say that? Oh, I'll run it by the board. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, it. no, but, 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 but aren't you... Um, you're, I don't think you're... I don't think you're allowed to say you look Compliment great. Compliment people. Not. I'm not bothered about it. I'm, 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 I'm saying thank you. That's the reason I lost weight. You're, yeah, you're flagging a, a, a sort of body positivity idea well there's a, we... there's an argument that you're not that if you see someone you know has lost weight yeah you shouldn't default to going i mean i do i'm going to be absolutely yeah. honest with you but yeah you're not supposed to default to you've lost weight you look great that's that's not no right. you're right we need to balance it out by pointing out more when people have chunked up i get, yeah, I, get you. Exactly. I hear you loud yeah. and clear that yeah. makes sense you, you still go it? you've put on a lot of weight but you still look as attractive and are as valuable as a human being as you, well, you shouldn't before. lie i mean you shouldn't <laughs> But I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I've, I've read a lot of this. I've read a lot on this that you're that you're not supposed to do this. It's, it's toxic. yeah, yeah. But but this is what most people think. I think what most people think is that people shouldn't be as fat. <laughs> um. So we on this subject, on this subject, we were talking about uh, we were talking about eating. So we talked about and we came up. We spoke about this. It's like the maddest, most creative idea we'd ever had. Was like I've started. You know, thinking about maybe only eating when I'm really hungry, or when I'm when I'm, when I'm hungry at all, actually. And we both, yeah, it's like it's called intuitive eating, and and we're sort of repackaging something that I guess humanity should have known for all time. Is that I mean, obviously meal times have a place, but we were we were blown away by the idea that you you shouldn't always eat if you don't feel hungry. That was well, I I um, so I've got a couple of embarrassing things to talk about here uh, on this. So first of all. Um, I, I put on a lot of weight a few months ago and I, I um, to the point where I'll give you, an, I, I'll explain what happened. So I was doing, um, I, I guess we're going to talk about this later in more detail, but I was doing avoidance, a sitcom I've just done for the BBC. And there was a scene in which I've got to walk into the bedroom and sit by the side of my son's mm. bed and, and have a little chat to him before he goes to sleep. Right. And mm. in that scene, I'm just wearing a shirt, a buttoned up shirt, right? Mm. And Ben Green's the director, who's also happens to be a really good mate of mine, right? So mm. we, I walk into the bedroom and I sit down and they're all through the other room and I sit down and I do the scene and then Ben goes, cut! And then I walk out and I say, what do you think? And he goes, um, the next time you sit down for the next take, I think you should have your legs straight out in front of you. And I said, right. I said, why? And he goes, I just think you'd, you'd feel better about it. So then I knew, <laughs> then I knew there was an issue with how the shirt was, uh, yeah. was body. But then what happened to compound that, one of the costume girls, the costume department were great, came, mate, it was like she was running to a fire, right? Yeah. She came sprinting over to me, she said, Rubbish, we've decided you can have your shirt open over a t-shirt. I, I, I just think it'd be better. Like the, the panic that uh. was caused, not by the quality <laughs> of performance, not no. by the lines being hit, not by the lighting, not by no. the camera work. It was the way that my appropriately sized buttoned up shirt was sitting on my torso. That was so, so I decided uh, to lose weight and I tried a number of different things. And one of those things that I tried was I, <laughs> I downloaded, I downloaded the, I downloaded the Paul McKenna app, right? Which is, yeah. is it Paul he's McKenna? Some, yeah. Yeah. He's got some great content. So in that app, he's got he's got like these things that you've got to listen to before you get asleep, right? So sort of, yeah. and one of the messages that you get is, and it seems so mental, but it's delivered with such profundity on this mm. app. Right? Only eat when you're hungry, right? It's <laughs> one of the, the basic tenants yeah. tenants revolutionary program. And then I looked into it, and like. It is, it's a thing, like it's a new movement, a relatively new movement <laughs> called intuitive eating, where you only decide to eat something 
when you actually feel hungry and you're like, you want to eat something. I mean, the idea that that is like something yeah. that people have to be told is fucking mad. But equally, the sort of the idea of like, I mean, it is mental, the idea that you have three set meals regardless of what's going on with yeah. you. That, yeah, is, yeah. that is an insane concept, isn't it? So it's like, I mean, I, I think that obviously comes from a time when, I don't know, people were, they've got so much shit going on that they think that you need to have three. The only meals. way the workers would get a break, you know, there might be exactly, stuff like that. All of that. I mean, if there was a thing that, you know, if God wanted to unleash the next meteor, do you think that the fact that intuitive eating becomes something like a, a radical yeah. movement would be a go, okay, fire up, fire up the big one? Yeah, if you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs thinking, what is going to be the tipping point on me just getting rid of these pricks? I yeah. think that would be up there with. No, that would yeah, he, he just watches right. one. He watches a really bad episode of Love Island. Then he logs on and reads about intuitive. He's like, you know, yeah. I think they, I think they're done. Um, what about uh, fuck you? Just a quick fuck you before we jump into the politics. Well, I've got a little bit. Well, listen, I've got mixed feelings about this fuck you uh, because I really do love delivery drivers, and I also think mm. that I actually think they undercharge. I think the amount of money that you pay to basically be an emperor. <laughs> while somebody sort of brings food directly to your mouth. I think it's so cheap for what you're getting. Yeah. So I'm slightly, uh, I'm slightly, I, I've got mixed feelings about this. So let's put it that way. Anyway, I, uh, my children wanted chicken nuggets. Uh, every now and again, they want chicken nuggets. They crave chicken nuggets. And so they like chicken nuggets from McDonald's. They're the right, th th those are the only chicken nuggets that my kids like really. Okay, so uh, we ordered them chicken nuggets. The delivery driver arrived um and he gave me the bag and i've ordered i've ordered chicken nuggets and chips for my kids so many times that i know what the weight spread feels like as soon as they get the bag <laughs> right so it was quite it was quite dark when the when the guy arrived he handed me the bag and i immediately knew this wasn't chicken nugget. i knew straight away and then i looked at the bag and i said to the guy i looked at the bag and uh, the bag was from burger king Right. So it wasn't even from McDonald's. So I said to the guy, yeah. mate, this is the wrong order. And he goes, how do you know? And I said, because Burger King don't do McNuggets. So yeah. then he goes, he panicked and he went, um, oh, oh, God, uh, I'll be back in a minute. And he took the Burger King and he drove off. Right. So yeah. I sort of didn't know. I didn't know what he was going to do. I, I sort of assumed that the food, he delivered my food to somebody else. But I don't I don't now want that food. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't <laughs> like... I sort of think, well, I don't know what his solution could be. Anyway, he got to, he, he, two minutes later, I get a phone call from him. And he said, hello. Um, he goes, I've got some bad news. And I said, what is it? And he goes, the house that I delivered your McDonald's to have started eating it. <laughs> and I said, I said, okay. Uh, and then I said to him, well, I don't know why I said this. I said, why? And he said, oh, because they didn't realise. And I was like, okay, well, I've ordered they for fucking three did. Yeah, I've ordered for three children. It's obviously two people there that basically feel like they've hit the fucking lottery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and just and remember then, the, the, you know, McDonald's is on balance better than Burger King as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, what are you doing ordering for Burger King in the first place, right? And But this is what this is the fuck you moment, right? So all of that I understand. People are human. They make mistakes, right? And, you know, I'm not paying enough for delivery. I said to him, he goes to me, I'm not sure what to do now. And then I said, well, neither am I, but I don't, I don't think it's my responsibility to provide a solution. And then he said to me, <laughs> can I ask you something? I said, yeah. And he said, do yeah. you like Burger King? Can I ask you a question? Just top of my head, unrelated. How do you feel about the thing that yeah. I accidentally how, bought you? How, just do, you, how do you feel about, how do you feel about just having a Burger King lucky dip? <laughs> right, and, and 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 I can guarantee you it's worse than what your McDonald's order was because this other family have taken it. Right, so <laughs> um, so anyway, it's just a little, it's a little bit of a not a, not a fuck you to delivery drivers. I love yeah. delivery drivers, but just this one guy in that instance thinking that that was a solution. And I bet you, like, knowing you, you still gave him four stars, right? Hundred percent. Okay, we're going to talk about the politics right now. Okay, the Tory leadership race is, is hotting up. But again, timestamp it. We're recording this Thursday at lunchtime, so things might have moved on, developed. One of them might have been summarily executed in the gardens at number 10. You just don't know. Sag is out. Uh, no more power stances. Not not like... I mean, he wasn't a very good communicator, Sag. But I, I want to draw your attention, Rob. I don't know how much you're across this guy. Is Raymond Chris Chisty, 
the MP for Raynham, who arbitrarily and from nowhere and under no pressure or desire from anybody joined the leadership race two days before the main ballot, right? Uh, he comes in, he, he basically releases a video that he's done on an iPhone 4 um, and just says, like in a, such a half-assed way, it was hilarious. No, uh, I just feel like it's time for Raymond. Uh, got, a, got a lot of ideas and that and, you know, just I think, you know, expect the unexpected sort of thing. So just before the first ballot, um, he drops out because uh, no one, no one is going to nominate him. What, what, at all. what do you think? What do you think was his motivation for that? Because, like, if well, because obviously he's so, so, so. If you think about it in a logical kind of, mm. you know, if you're going for a job, like for example, I don't know how many of these you've done. You know, when you're going for an audition, I've occasionally mm. I've had like a couple of auditions for things that I've got no right to be going up for, like a movie yes. or something like that. Yes. Right? So, so it's so outside the realms of possibility that you might get it. What you do is you think I'm going to give myself the best possible chance of getting this right so you work yeah. hard, you work hard you set yourself up you prep your ass off and mm. you deliver the best that you can and in my case you, you, you still don't get it but what i'm asking is that's similar to the position that he's yes in. Why, why has he gone the other way and absolutely half-assed it i guess so he, he, there's a thing with tory leadership races is that sometimes it's just a profile building exercise so you right. kind of come in, you, you you sketch out if there's any support for you. Some people might go, oh, bloody hell, dear old Raymond got seven nominations. That, that's more than I'd have thought. He needs to be the next junior minister for fuck knows what. So that is, that's the thinking. What okay. I think, the, the, what's so funny about this is it, it seems like no one was thinking the same thing. And then when he, he dropped out before the actual votes, uh, he thanked his team uh, for the hard work they put in on the two-day campaign. There was no yeah. team, Ramesh. Yeah, it's there was one no... person holding the iPhone for him. I yeah, think. yeah, exactly. It was it was his it was his wife was the team. She's not even into politics. Doesn't even vote Tory. She held the iPhone, uh, and then when they said to him, you know, can you disclose how many backers you had? And he said he didn't feel it would be sensitive at this stage to disclose it. And I thought it was interesting because he's probably true. It's sensitive for his own mental health, right? Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't have any backers. So poor old Raymond was out. I mean, sadly, in a way, more embarrassing. Like he's held like high offices of state. He's been chancellor and he's been a uh, health secretary. Uh, but but he, no, he hasn't. He hasn't got it, has he? Nah. Do you know no. No. I mean? When he talks, he just he doesn't. Did. He just does not have it. And it's like you know, you can be as you know, you can be as uh, as as effective and as and as principled as you like. But you just look at that guy and you go, you ain't got it. You can't well, be. You cannot be the leader. Right. Well, the whole thing with the power stance thing is, is a bit like something that we already know from comedy is if somebody kind of does a pose on a punchline, there's a reason. Yeah. So the yeah. Sag power pose, but I will do, I said I'd never call him Sag, but I feel bad for him this week. So poor old Sag is out. I, I, I had a, I had an embarrassing situation. Just sorry, just to, I, I had an embarrassing situation where I had an interview with, I think it was the Times or something. And like, you've done these where they do a photo shoot with you and then do yeah. the interview afterwards or whatever. And during that interview, I started, not during the interview, during the photo shoot, I was just chatting to the photographer and he was like sort of getting, and I did, a, I started talking about the Tory power poses and Sage's power pose. And mm. I did it, like just to demonstrate, he took a photo and that's what they use in the interview. My God, what, I mean, you're a bright guy. They're like, how did you not? <laughs> how did you not know? So, like, I know, mate, I know, I know. So I bet, it's a, it's a fun, funny photo, but only with the context that you were doing it ironically. Pretty Patel, I like Sajid. Uh, Pretty Patel's another person, you know, very high profile, but mm. not liked. Deep levels no. of unpopularity among both her colleagues and the membership and the wider public. So she's sort of like the there's a sort and of. And I like, imagine close friends and family. I would yeah, guess. and she's sort of like the triple threat in in the worst way possible. So so we had the first round of eight. Nadim Zahawi got knocked out. Um, great story, shit communicator. I would say. Yeah. Not yeah. very strong. I mean, like to to not be able to capitalize on that story. And the way that his family arrived. Yeah. It's like not uh, even making it through the auditions on Britain's Got Talent, isn't it? That kind of backstory. Yeah. he. I mean, he was like one of those guys that turns up and says, uh, I've been been professional singer for years. And then Simon Cowell thinks that, that this is the first time he's ever sung in public. He was, he's one of those guys. Uh, Jeremy Hunt, again, this is one where you get like, this is where the social media sphere can surprise people, is that Jeremy Hunt, the kind of guy that would get traction with journos, they like him, he reminds them of people that he knows, he's quite moderate in a way, he's quite remainy. he's a bit like Rory Stewart, 
he gets fucked off out of it. I mean, it, it turned out he had to borrow a few votes off Rishi just for his own dignity to, to, to even be. Here. But that's 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 the rumor. That's the rumor. Yeah. Nice uh, of Rishi though. Nice, yeah, weird, weird, weird of Rishi. I suppose there's rumors that that uh, is it, Sir Gavin Williamson. I mean, the least fucking worthy sir. Of all the exams, fuck up guy. Imagine yeah, like yeah. you know they talk about like peers and stuff. They go, isn't it out of order that some people are peers because in fourteen twelve their dad owned some land? Well, Gavin Williamson, what did he do? Oh, do you remember the exam fuck up of twenty twenty? Yeah, a lot of people don't know that was I was across yeah. that. Penny Mordaunt seems to be the front runner. And it was funny earlier. I did a tweet and I sort of said, you know, she has her blind spots, but of the three candidates, I think the public might find that Penny Mordaunt might seem most prime ministerial. I even put the word seem. Of course, people are like, what are you talking about? She's fucking... I was like, yeah, like I really, I qualified this a lot. I just think at this point, when when people actually get to the point of hearing these people speak, she, she's got great hair, Rob. I mean, I'm beating about the bush. She's got fucking amazing hair. Rishi's got great hair too, got great bone structure. Liz Truss, there's a weird thing I've got with Liz Truss is I can never remember what she sounds like. Like even yeah, after a sec a second after I've heard her speak, I'm like, what does she sound yeah. like? She a North no, does she sound like Thatcher? I don't know. Do you know Rishi's not doing very well on TikTok? You know that, don't you? Is isn't he? You know the uh clip of him going, I've got uh upper class friends, I've got working class friends. Well, no, not working class friends. Have you yeah, seen yeah. that? Have you seen that? That yeah. has gone that has gone huge yes. on TikTok. That is and lots of duets. Do you know yeah. like of just sort of random celebrity you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the TikTok duets where you just you duet the video. And you it's get just split you, screen, yeah. Split screen, and it's just lots of people sitting there, like just doing a funny face as as Rishi says that. I mean, it's he's not he's not done well. well TikTok has not... has done for him. Well, ironically, that would be the place that him with all his branding, he would have thought that would be the home ground. I, I mean, I've got to say, and not again to be an apologist for a Tory, I always think a, a tightly clipped nine second clip. I always think I want to know what was said before and immediately after that thing. So yeah, there's definitely a sense in what he's saying that it's a bit elitist. Um, but he also then goes on to talk about his what I mean, like they cut it just before the point that he talks about going to do work in inner city schools and you know, talk yeah. about social aspiration. And it is funny, like a lot of the comedians sharing it, are the same comedians who go like, don't cancel us for stuff that we said in the past. I know. That's a really bloody hell, that's a good point. That is a great I know. point. What are we 47 minutes in? I've made you know that is a great point. And then, um, and then they're sharing some of the geezer said when he was when he was twenty. I mean, he, yeah. he's not my pick, but I, I don't think necessarily that you know when people say, well, he's too rich to know how to handle a normal person's budget. The problem with that is the flip side of that is going, well, he was too poor growing up to know what it's like to handle a big budget. <laughs> <laughs> no one would fucking it's, dare say that. I know. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there is a thing about like um, there is an argument that his kind of level of privilege makes him better placed to, to to deal with that sort of thing do you know what i mean like, like I, look, look, I mean i know that's a it's a difficult thing to say or whatever but like yeah. do you know what i mean I, and I, I hope they, you get i hope you get quoted on it in the express but yeah well don't click this up but like um <laughs> tom tugan hat tom tugan hat um mm. people people i mean one of the weird things about the Tory leadership race is a bit like the olympics whereby people found out about a thing like a week ago and suddenly they're like his biggest fan and and you know what i mean they're just chatting about it all the time he's like the dressage of politics, people are going. Oh, I love Tom Tugendhat. Yeah, you didn't even know about Tom fucking Tugendhat mm. till last week. Will you still be Tom Tugendhatting when this is all done? Yeah, I just feel like it's, it's somebody naming and like you know when somebody goes. Actually, you know when somebody's trying to talk about hip hop or something, they go. Actually, Kendrick Lamar isn't the best in the field. It's actually yeah. La Russell. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like the that. connoisseur's choice. He's the connoisseur's yeah. Choice. Saying it, say it to be cool. Saying Tom Tugendhat to be cool. He, he looks like a he looks like a manager of a sort of middling Foxtons, doesn't he? You know the guy that he comes into twice a week because he's across he's across a couple of other branches. <laughs> Tom Tom Tugendhat, and then and then we come to and this sort of that brings in the idea of diversity is, is Kemi Badenoch. I would say like mm. the value in communicating of getting your head up and talking off script is fucking phenomenal. Like she mm. she I mean like a lot of a lot of the right like her online because she's. She's very, you know, she's quite like anti-woke and stuff like that. But I just think just as a communicator, Penny Morden's the same as they get their heads up and, and they speak. But one of the interesting things is is like how rattled the left are that there's a black woman that might become prime minister, yeah. let, leader of the Conservative Party. And there was one left-wing commentator today that said that um, 
Kemi Badenoch would be, as promised, would be a disaster for diversity. Now, I think you can make an argument, and those raised eyebrows were exactly right, but you can make an argument and go, well, their policies might not be good for black or brown people. I think you would at least have to acknowledge what a fucking radical act it would be to have a black woman as prime minister of Great Britain. If you even think yeah. back 20 years, how distant that prospect seemed, you cannot discount it, right? I just think that... And look, I've made jokes about this in the past, as you know. I got I got called out for it by, for saying that... Um, uh, after I, I made a joke saying, after seeing Sajid uh, and Pretty Patel, I'm all for there being fewer Asians in politics. So I, I sort of tweeted that as a joke. Very obviously a joke, I would say. Yeah, it was a very obvious joke, but like, um, and got some shit for it. But I, I, I think that the truth of it is, is it's such an insane argument. Like, like, like it would be so incredible for divert. Like, like, I, I just hmm. think that divert. You, you can't, you can't uh, pick and choose how what your diversity looks like. Do you know what I mean? It's like it is even if you completely disagree with and you think she's evil and you hmm. think she's horrendous or whatever, even if you think she's the worst, the, the worst thing around. You cannot deny that her being promised would be a great thing for diversity. Like, not yeah. in, in, in isolation, in isolation, regardless of anything else, it's so counterintuitive to me. To do you know what I mean? It just doesn't. No, it doesn't it's self-defeating, and, and it kind of un, 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 it's bad for the left. I'm not saying all, all people on the left think this, of course not, but there's, there's quite there's quite a decent number that do. And imagine if that were to happen in Britain, and the news went round the world of Britain that elects. Uh, black prime female prime minister, and then they were to have to get their heads around the fact that some people on the left saying this is really bad for diversity. You, I what, know. The f- what the fuck? I think yeah. they've, they've got the wrong headline mixed with the wrong. I mean, imagine. Photo. I mean, just imagine that said the other way. Do you know what I mean, like if that mm. was said, like by somebody on the right about somebody on the left that was that maybe been prime minister, it would be they. It would be insane. Do you know what I mean? You'd get absolutely slaughtered for it. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's it's... one of the big problems that we did the left is, is like the, the sort of there are some people that climb up to the moral high ground. Stand up there and go, oh, I think I'm going to dive off this face first. Yeah. <laughs> Even though there's no water in the pool. Oh, I think it, as a white middle class woman who, who made this statement, like if you don't think through the optics of, of telling black or Asian people what they should really, what views they should really have, yeah. if, that, if that doesn't yeah. like at least there's a little like an alarm flag that goes off in your head as you're composing that tweet, then... Yeah, uh, I mean, I think... so Chris Rock. Chris Rock said it when when Barack Obama was elected president, and they were saying, you know, Chris Rock said something along the lines of, you know, everybody's saying that this is equality, but you know, Barack Obama's really good. I think we achieve true equality when somebody who's black who's as shit as George Bush gets in. Okay, we're just going to do a quick hype here. Um, two new patrons, Simon Downs and Robert Jones. They are they're the they're the other two accomplices in the failed diamond heist, aren't they? They're the ones that didn't get out to Grand Canaria, that were just really picked got, up in a pub. Really got a, you, this podcast really has quite a complicated hierarchy to it, isn't it? There's lots of there's lots of tiers in this, <laughs> in this management structure, isn't there? There's yeah. patrons, there's VIPs, there's board members, there's peasants. Yeah. There's, uh, there's yeah, <laughs> there's serfs. <laughs> Simon Downs and Robert Jones, they, I think that they would be picked up after the raid in a pub in Deptford. They never quite got on the ferry. Whereas our guys are Graham earlier. He, he, was yeah. already on a, he was already on a flight to fucking Malaga. They've got a little bit of a lower league football vibe about them, I would say. Yeah, lower league football vibe uh, criminals. People actually pay for us to insult them like this. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, just while we're hyping stuff, obviously I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, well, not obviously. I am at the Edinburgh Fringe. In fact, not obviously at all. In fact, I'm starting no, to... Feels, in fact, it feels like a crazy move, to be honest. It's fucking are, insane. One thing you can guarantee, and you can back me up on this, is, is having now regretted being there, I will actually make sure the show is amazing because that'll be all I have for two and a half weeks and I'll know the risks of plunging well, lower. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I I I went to Edinburgh one year with a show that was slightly undercooked, I think, and I remember having a, like an almost the edges of a panic attack in the on the first night. You know, we're like mm. the the rooms in Edinburgh. You're often just in sort of a curtained off box, aren't you? So yeah. you're very close. As the audience arrive, you are actually incredibly close to them, although they mm. can't see you. And um, I I I do know that the one thing that you have that the like you just have to make sure your show's banging. And I know you will, Jeff. I had a thing where um, when I was doing my first Edinburgh show, I um, I was in like one of the underbelly rooms and it's like a really tiny room and the stage was right by the curtain. And I was really yeah. nervous because when you do your first Edinburgh, there's a lot of attention on you. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's sort of yeah. like, and then that kind of goes away 
Um, but like, the, so the first Edinburgh, I was, I was really nervous and I was like doing a lot of things that, uh, that, that, I, that I thought at the time was sort of me being comfortable on stage, which actually I now realise were the symptoms of anxiety and, and, and worry about how the month was going. But I remember once, like, one of the things was that latecomers would walk in right in front of the stage. Yeah. And so it was quite disruptive. So I'd start the show, they give me clearance and start the show, and then you just get like 10 or 15 people in. And so one day I just thought it'd be really funny. I sort of signaled to the audience that I was gonna like scream in the I said I said really quietly in the mic, the next latecomer that comes in, I'm just gonna shout in their face, right? Because it's pissing me mm. off now. But it was really funny. The curtain pulls back and I screamed, Where the fuck have you been? Really loudly in this guy's face. Um, <laughs> and he was blind. Uh, <laughs> Okay, on that bombshell of screaming uh, at a blind guy, we're just talking. We are. I do need to let you go fairly soon. We're just talking about, about work. You know, we're talking about uh, the industry now. So you've just done. You've you've wrapped on filming two sitcoms. The first of which, Avoidance, is available now on BBC iPlayer. It's going out on BBC. It's excellent. Obviously, people should go there and check that out. And then obviously, there's a one on Sky that you did with Catherine Ryan. And um, mm. I just thought it's interesting to to let people know about about how fucking long. It takes. I mean, like, avoidance was obviously like a very clear passion project. So, when, how long ago did you first start thinking about that? 2017. I remember because wow. like, we, I, I was working with uh, Ben Green, who's the director, co-writer. Uh, we were working on another show uh, in the states, and we had this idea. The starting point, basically, is like this guy's character flaw. Yeah. Um, was the starting point. We just thought it'd be good to to to, to, to do a sitcom with this, and then. We just started knocking the idea about for years and years and years. Like, like we didn't work on it solidly, but we'd like we wanted to get it to a point where you could mm. present it or decide what channel it would go on. And but so so that I'd say that those initial couple of years of working on it was was down to us because we hadn't put, we hadn't showed it to anybody. But I would say between pitching it to the BBC and getting them to agree a script to the show coming out, I reckon you're looking at a lead time of two and a half years. I think. Probably. Two and a half years, and so then... so that so that means you, they ask you to come up with the treatment, and then they commission the script. You write the script, and then if they like that, you start discussing whether you're going to do a pilot or not, and then you write all the scripts, and then you get notes. But like all of that, hmm. then you get to the point of agreeing budget for you know all of that stuff takes fucking ages. It takes absolutely ages. So like when you say it's a passion project, in my opinion any sitcom that anybody ever does has to be mm. a passion project because it's yeah, so yeah. it's like so hard to get it on tv man it's like it's really difficult it's, it's made me feel like you know we've all talked about sitcoms that we think are absolutely shit and it's made me now just be a lot more forgiving of whatever i see on screen because you know the or process. or how the fuck given all those barriers how the fuck did, did this it get make on it air? to the script yeah yeah how the fuck did it get on air in that state yeah, I know. I mean, that is that is another good point. That is another good point. But like, it, um, yeah, it's hard. I mean, so you obviously, you're, you know, all across it, imagine like producer, executive producer, yes. know, stuff like that. So you're across yeah. it all levels. So when it comes to like being on set, how hard is it to kind of get all that out of your head and just deliver what you need to deliver in the moment? Because you're, you're sort of thinking, how's this scene going? You actually wrote the scene. Uh, yeah. You wrote the lines that you're saying. You wrote the yeah. lines that the other person's saying. You, you were involved yeah. in the casting. How yeah. hard is it to just shut all that out? I, I would say the uh, it's. I find it easy to shut all of the other stuff out in the set. The, the thing I would say is, in avoidance, I was I, the cast are like really they're, they're all really accomplished actors like Jess Napper, mm. Lisa McGrillis, Mandik Dillon, like. Uh, they're all amazing. And so there is the nerves of what they're going to say about the scene when they come in, do you know what I mean? Because they are mm. reading lines that you've written. And we, like, we were very open to sort of being collaborative on it. And so if there were certain things that they felt not comfortable saying, then we'd happily change it. You hear about some writers that insist on it being like the very sort of rhythm of it being exactly as they were. We yeah. lacked such confidence in what we'd created that we were happy to sort of uh, <laughs> people do it however they wanted. So you, there is the, the, the anxiety of like the beginning of every day I found incredibly stressful because I was waiting to see what they thought of the scenes. Do you know what I mean, you're sort of like going, are they going to come in and go, this, nobody would ever do this. Why have you written it like this? Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't say it as bluntly as that, but you know when you get mm. that message in a polite way. Uh, the, 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 thing that, the thing that I had to make a concession for is 
uh, as a producer, executive producer, whatever, like, you know, it was done for our production company. I had to not be told about anything that was going on production wise while I was filming because that's a good man. I just, I just couldn't, you can't concentrate on performing when you've got that stuff going on. So it'd be like, I didn't mind being told at the end of the day, like we sort of, and, and, hmm. and everybody was really good at this. If something was going on, sometimes I'd never find out and they'd tell me when after it had been sorted out and sometimes at the end of the day, and that wasn't because I'm like a diva. Well, not entirely because I'm a diva. But no, no, you mainly... want to focus on your thing. But did, did exactly. some people ever, ever give it away just in the, the level of stress when they communicate with you? Hey, right, hey like their yeah, eyes fucking right, it, bulging. It, it, it happens so much. Like so many times, like I would say something like, um, so in the next scene, we've got this like Chinese token. I kind of want it to be like that. That, that You got that message, don't you? And you can see like the person obviously realise none of that has been sorted out and then go, yeah, cool, 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 cool. And then later on you hear that they were crying under a table. Do you know what I mean? It's like this. I'll tell you what is quite funny is um, is hearing about how you're spoken about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So like, so like, so, so because it's our production company and because like you're an exec on it, people like are worried. You don't realise that people are worried about what you think about what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, that, you're saying that you're worried about what they're thinking of the script. Yeah. It's the other way so, so like, so, so like, so like people, so I, I started taking in a water bottle on Romantic Getaway, the show that I did with Catherine, right? This massive yeah. water bottle. And I would leave it like, I'd act, just cause I'm so forgetful. I'd leave it from place to place. And apparently somebody told me the panic that would happen on set about getting that water bottle to wherever <laughs> I was going to be for the next bit. It was just like, for somebody, that became a real stress, right? So then I just had to start being more careful about taking my bottle with me because, like, people just going, I, 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 don't, I don't know, like, Romesh obviously has brought that water bottle in for a reason. He wants it with him at all times. Like, like, we've got to make sure, like, it was so They want it. I've said this before. People want to believe that about celebrity. Yeah, and, and then when you, start, when you start taking it with you, and then that worries everybody because they're like, oh, my God, he's, he's fucking furious, seething. <laughs> there was this, uh, this famous story about... Along those lines with Sylvester Stallone, it was, it was rumored that he hated waiting for lifts. And mm. so, what someone was at a hotel and they were going to do an interview of him on the on the sort of terrace bar on the top floor. And they were like, they said to the journalist, "You know, Sly hates waiting for lifts. Okay, so we're going to give you the sign. You have to arrive there. Somebody's gonna gonna just wait and hold the lift, and then you just just get in. And then and then it turned out like, uh, and then so he walked out of his room and there was a lift there. He went, oh, hey, another lift. And it turned out that he had spent years thinking he was really lucky with lifts. But what happened was like once, years before, he'd have just gone, he'd just gone, I hate waiting for lifts. Who doesn't hate waiting for lifts? And then, because people need to believe in the mythology of stardom, stardom yeah, yeah. they got sliced alone, does not wait for lifts. Okay, you be here at 1.01 p.m. or we're not doing the fucking interview. Getting off the pass. So what, what I'm saying is just just watch it, Rob. You you could be yeah, the, you could I be know. the you could be the lift guy. Just quickly I wouldn't before... mind that story. I wouldn't mind but the story going around about me. It's yeah. worth getting a few going. Just yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the water thing is a bit low status, but I'm sure we could. <laughs> you, know, you, you could you could feel you, you could yeah. feel you as, could as, feel, as, as as mythology goes. That's not yeah. up there. <laughs> it's fucking water bowl. Okay, ju just one letter, and I do want to talk to you about this one. Uh, this is from mm. Harry. Just quickly, it says, Hi, Jeff, you have two dogs, right? I have three. We walk... All right, mate, it's not a pissing contest. We walk them a lot, but sometimes they shit in the garden. In the hot weather... Uh, in the hot weather, I'm not always aware exactly when or where they've shit. Recently, a few shits hung around longer than they should have, and there were flies. Our neighbour knocked and legitimately wasn't happy with us adding to the summer fly problem. However, in capital letters, now they are evidently watching out of the window, and within minutes of the dog shitting, they're knocking on the door to ask when I'm going to remove the shit. Should I accept this as a consequence of my former failures or just punch them in the face? Well, um, there's a lot. I mean, my, my question would be how many shits are you allowing to be in the garden to the point where your neighbors notice an increase in the summer fly problem because like, it's not good it's not good you, you sort of intimated the sort of suggestion the inference there is that there's like a two or three that you've left out and about but for people yeah. to notice an increase in the fly population in the area that suggests that that's a big issue right i agree that's traded off against how they're acting now so i mean this guy might be managing the info maybe this happened several times but Anyone who's now at a stage where they're looking out the window for shits may sounds like the kind of person that could turn a mountain into a molehill in the first place. The 
I think you might have to move. I think so too. I mean, look, 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 look the, the, the truth is... I don't know who's back from this. One of the things that you can grab solace from is that you've put those people in a position where they watch, look out the window to see if a dog's taking a shit on. I mean, that's what their life is. And that, in, in a way, is the best, you, sweetest you've won. revenge. Yeah, you you've have won. won there. Because... Get some fake shits on the hottest day of the year. I think it's coming up next year. Literally yeah. just put like a comic up. I'm talking like about 46 yeah. shits in the garden. And just let them just keep knocking. I would, I would, I would leave one of your own out there. Do you know what I mean? Just, just mix it up. So yeah, we've given you two very workable suggestions there. Either yeah. take it up a notch or move. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Good luck. Okay, Romish Ranganathan, I know you're a busy man, and thank you for being busier for this. Uh, I'd advise all people to watch, obviously, Avoidance, and look out for Romantic Getaway when it comes out uh, on Sky. And uh, well, I'll probably see you quite soon. But for the purposes of the podcast. Uh, thanks very much for being on the podcast thanks so much Jeff thank you for adding to my workload love it mate cheers